Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I am going to get to, I got to give you the story about Afro Man. I will do the story about Afro Man. We're going to do some asset forfeiture stuff too. But um, I have to start with a story that will get me to the Bud Light story. Okay. But let me just, let me start with this. Two statements from uh, leaders of, of two parties out of Washington state. Okay. We've got Senate Republican leader, John Braun and um, well, two senators, Marco Lias or Lias and Joe Nguyen. And they are sponsors of uh, legislation out there, and they, they are two Democrats. This is Senate Bill 5599, which, if they're counting numerically, uh, you guys are doing too much lawmaking. That is way too many bills, way too much laws being passed. 5,599, that's, maybe they're just keeping track from the beginning of time. That's possible. I don't know. Maybe they have a different numbering system. I don't know. But if it's just a numerical system like we use here in North Carolina with the beginning of the session, that's like HB2. Remember the bathroom bill? That was House Bill 2. It was the second bill filed in that legislative session, right? So um, when you start getting a lot of them, I just, I think you're, you're, you're getting out of control. You're probably passing laws that are stupid. And this one seems to fit the bill. Senate Bill 5599. Here's what the Senate Republican leader, John Braun, says. He made these remarks after the Senate approved let this legislation and it already passed the house. So now it's on its way to the governor's desk where it's probably going to get signed. And it's going to give, according to Braun's office, it's going to give quote youth related facilities, a new excuse for withholding the whereabouts of runaway children from their parents. So if your kid runs away from Charlotte, from Belmont, from Rock Hill, Right? Your kid runs away and ends up at Wash- in Washington State and ends up uh, at, a, uh, at, a, at a home of some kind, right, that they are now known to authorities. They get found. You may not ever be told that they've been found, you know, because of this law. Well, this bill that's about to be a law, you know, all the kid has to say. Take a guess. Take a wild guess what the kid has to say in order to blind the parents to the child's whereabouts. I escaped to Washington for health services. That's it. I came to Washington for health services. I'm I'm here because I wanted to pursue my authentic self or I needed to... Uh, I, 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 I needed to get reproductive health care. 
gender counseling and puberty-blocking chemicals and abortions. That's all you need to say. Passed on a party-line vote, it would not allow teenagers staying at licensed youth shelters or host homes to undergo gender-affirming surgery without parental approval. I'm going to say that again. It would not allow, this bill does not allow that, nor would it allow other parents to hide children. This is only if the state gets their mitts on your kid, right? Because it's different when the government does it, right? Um, It clears the way, though, for children between the ages of 13 and 18 to stay at these facilities, at these uh, licensed youth shelters or host homes, they can stay there without their parents' knowledge for an indefinite time while seeking services related to gender dysphoria and gender transitioning. It also clears a path for any teenager to game the system. A child can run away to a youth shelter, claim they are seeking protected health care services, even if they really are not, and they'll be hidden from their parents. It would not be the first time a teenager would take advantage of a legal loophole to avoid general accountability. Really? Do teenagers do that? I mean, well, I should say, do they still do that? Because when I was a teenager, yeah, teens used to do that back in the day. But is that something teenagers just stopped doing recently? Maybe so. Um, He goes on to say, again, this is the Republican, goes on to say, quote, like so many other health-related situations, gender dysphoria presents unique needs that deserve attention. But this should not mean removing parents from the decision-making process. Children between the ages of 13 and 18 can already access these same health and mental health services under Washington law without their parents' permission. They can already access this stuff. A parent may not even know why the kid ran away and could involve law enforcement, right? They could go, hey, my kid's missing. Let's let's organize a search, Right? All the while going through an unnecessary emotional nightmare, imagining the worst about what might have happened. It's also wrong how this bill would also apply to kids from other states who may travel thousands of miles for services not available to them at home. Unless there is reason to suspect parental abuse or harm, parents deserve to know where their teenagers are. Well, see, there's the problem. There's the problem. The Republican says that unless there's reason to suspect parental abuse, uh, parental abuse or harm, parents should know where their kids are. And to the left, non-affirmation is parental abuse and harm. Right? Not not immediately backing your your six year old's uh, decision that no, I, I'm actually a different gender. I saw. I saw some TikTok videos, and uh, yeah, I'm, I, I saw the Bud Light uh, influencer, and now I think I am not a girl, I'm a boy, right? And so if you don't affirm that with your kid, then that's abuse or harm. Democrats have claimed many times that the brains of minors are not fully developed until age 22, It is revealing how brain research matters to them when juveniles break the law, but not when they seek life-altering, potentially irreversible health care, quote-unquote. Yeah, exactly. You want all all of the breaks when it comes to kids that commit crimes. 
You, oh, they, they don't understand the consequences of their actions because their brains aren't fully formed. No, we got to keep them on the parents' health uh, insurance until uh, age 26. Right? Even with, like insurance rates for drivers and such recognizes that young males take more risks in the car, right? But no, no, no. When it comes to the gender affirmation stuff, no, we got to believe that we, we got to believe the kid. And if you disagree, then we're going to keep your kid hidden from you. So now kids can flee to Washington State and uh, they won't have to be tracked down and sent back home to mom and dad. Your mom and dad won't even know you're there, actually. So just a heads up, if your kid runs away and goes missing, you may want to start calling around or maybe take some field trips out to Washington State or something and start visiting every one of the homes. I don't know because I don't even know how you would be able to track them down to know if they were in any of these places. They had a hearing at the Senate Human Services Committee back in early February. 4,700 people signed in with an opinion on the bill. 98% were opposed, including parents from the LGBTQ community. <laughs> they, they were also in opposition to the bill. All right, so that was the Republicans' argument against Senate Bill 5599. What is the Democrat position on this? It was a party-line vote. What was the Democrats' position on this? All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Going over the details here on the Senate Bill 5599, this is out of Washington State. So what is the Democrats' position on this bill? Again, this bill allows... Youth, facilities, shelters, host homes, um, certified as such, it allows them to hide runaways from their parents if the runaways between the ages of 13 and 18 say that they are hiding out because they want gender-affirming care or they want an abortion. And as long as they say that, then these facilities can hide the kid from their parents, the parents who may not know their kid ran away from a different state. So here is what the, uh, here's what the sponsors of the bill, two senators named Marco Lias, or Lias, and Joe Nguyen. Nguyen Lias. Nguyen Lias. Anyway. Uh, just weird names with the story. Anyway, they say uh, in a piece posted at the Seattle Times, across the country, lawmakers are debating legislation that will directly impact transgender youth. What is missing in these discussions is a sobering reality. You know where this is going, right? Suicide. This is what this is the uh, the argument that is always used in order to try to extort parents, basically, uh, into going along with the quote, gender affirmation. 
Studies show that one in every three trans youth report attempting suicide. The risk of trans youth committing suicide or abusing substances goes up even more when they are rejected by their families. This is, these are the stats that are employed against parents to get them on board. Because surely you don't want your child to die. It's better to have a child alive that is a different gender than one who is dead, right? That's the argument. The logical problem with this argument, though, is that it assumes that whatever the underlying cause of the dysphoria gets addressed in the transition, which often it does not. There are other underlying causes, usually some form of trauma that exists, and then it just manifests itself as the dysphoria. And so doing something to, quote, treat the dysphoria doesn't actually treat the underlying issue. And then if you actually do treat that underlying issue, you may not even be dysphoric afterwards. And now you've made a terrible mistake, right? By undergoing puberty blockers or surgeries and such. So that's the first part of it. The second part of the fallacy here is that um, if if uh, people were committing suicide because they weren't being accepted, they weren't being affirmed, then we should actually expect to see the number of suicides decline because people are now being affirmed at far greater rates than they ever have been. But we're not. We're not seeing that. So why not? Right? Why haven't we seen a decline in the rates when we see an increase in the affirmation? So here the Democrats continue. Sadly, it's even more likely that trans and LGBTQ plus kids will face permanent repercussions from a lack of acceptance and support. This is why supporting our young people is on the docket this legislative session. Rather than focus on the urgent need to support the health and well-being of trans youth, extreme voices are trying to derail our work with dangerous and inflammatory accusations. Republicans and right-wing talk show hosts have fired up their bases about Senate Bill 5599 by making false claims that it will allow kids to get gender transition surgery while stripping away parental rights. Now, it is easy to fall for misinformation when it is intentionally aimed at riling up emotions. So let us set the record straight. What this bill really does is it ensures that young people have access to safe and supportive places when navigating complex times in their lives and to keep these places hidden from their parents. I'm just kidding. I added that last part. But no, that that is what they're doing. Um, Shelters that serve runaway or homeless youths are required to inform families and the Department of Children, Youth, and Families when a child comes into their care. That stays the same. What this bill does, though, is it creates an exception to parental notifications for an additional compelling reason, like when a child is seeking reproductive health care services or gender-affirming care services. Uh, Yeah, pretty clear on that. Understand what the bill is, and you've just stated exactly what I stated and what the Republicans stated. So where exactly is the misinformation coming from? You're, yeah, you've created an exception. So all the kid has to do when they arrive at the shelter is say, I'm seeking gender-affirming care or an abortion, and you're like, okay, you are now hidden from your parents. We won't tell mom and dad. When the bill was first heard, they said, testimony focused solely on gender-affirming care, which extremists paint as strictly surgical. 
To counter this transphobic vitriol, it's important to first understand what gender-affirming care really is. Because it's not just the surgery, people. It's a range of things. It varies depending on age. Like it could be just a, you know, a drag queen reading to your four-year-old. I mean, that's like, you know, something as innocuous as that. It could include actions like a haircut or social transition, like new pronouns, a name change for the younger kids, you know? Hateful rhetoric may lead you to believe it will permanently alter your adolescent child, but in most cases, that will never be the case. I mean, unless, of course, they, you know, they go through with the surgeries and the puberty blockers. But, but short of those things, everything else, all those other things, like, that's totally fine. So I wanted a boy's haircut as a girl, and so I ran away from home. And now you don't tell my mom and dad I'm here. <laughs> that's, the, that's what's going to happen here. Yeah, I can't see how this could potentially be abused by teenagers. Of all people, teenagers, who are usually so rational and, you know, divorced from emotion on these types of things. See, the Democrats in Washington state that ran this bill that uh, will allow these youth uh, homes, these, uh, what do they call them? These shelters, the the certified, of course, state certified, youth-related facilities and such. It'll allow them to hide runaways from their parents if the runaways say that they came to the shelter because they want gender affirming care and they or they want an abortion or maybe both whatever but then the then the facility cannot report them to authorities and to the family so this and the reason why they say this is like it's for the kid right because the kid needs the affirmation and it could be just a haircut or a, a pronoun change or a name change. It's not surgery. I mean, they can already get that without parental approval. Come on. So this is just, you know, keeping kids hidden from their parents. And yes, kids from other states, too, by the way. So now you've created a sanctuary in Washington state for runaways in Seattle. I'm sure nothing bad will happen to them in Seattle. It's this paragon of virtuous living. But, um, ooh, maybe another Chaz Chop is in the works. Anyway, the um, the Democrats who sponsored this bill, they're like, you're thinking about it all wrong. See, it's it's critical that we make abundantly clear that the focus of this bill is not about taking away parental rights. I mean, it does that, but it's about supporting young people who may be in unsafe environments. That's what this is about. It's about supporting young people. I mean, yes, it's also about taking away parental rights, but just don't look at that part of it. Think of it in this other way, and so it's it's not as bad of a thought for you. Okay? There you go. Very simple. Very, very simple. Do not use my name on air. Okay. Joe or John or Ruby. Anyway. Uh, we have friends suing their school system for hiding a daughter's transition for over a year. The daughter thought she should tell her parents, but school personnel told her she'd no longer be helped and would be kicked out of the LGBTQ club. Like, like the actual club? Why would you get kicked out of the club if you told your parents? Wait a minute. If you tell your parents, does that mean that you cease being that thing? Is that how that works? Guys, wait a minute. Hang on a second. 
I think we may have cracked the code here. If you tell your parents that you want uh, that that you're transitioning, then you you get kicked out of the LGBTQ club, which means what you're not transitioning anymore. So that's the that's what's required. Is that it? You just have to speak it, and then it it goes away or something. What? I'm confused. When the parents found out, a counselor told them she was suicidal and had to proceed, even though the daughter had never actually expressed any suicidal ideation to the counselor or anybody else for that matter. Now, homeschooled since January, she's back to her old self with no trans feelings. Yeah, I... You know, the the research, there's a reason why... Britain has, uh, was it Tavistock or whatever? They've stopped doing this on kids because they realized so many of the kids that express these ideas, they they move away from them. They lose the ideas in a little bit. It's transitory. We went over this the other day, a couple weeks ago, right? It's transitory. It's not a permanent thing. Adults, rational people used to understand this. Because, you know, they're kids. They're kids. And, and they think all sorts of zany things. They do. They, kids, kids have a different perception of reality because, you know, we've not molded their young skull of mush. <laughs> and uh, I suspect that's what's really, uh, that's what the game is here. Seth Barron, um, writing at the American Mind. Uh, he's the managing editor. His latest book, The Last Days of New York. He says, our national clown show grows more and more ridiculous, while at the same time not being at all amusing. I guess that's what they always say about clowns. They are much more frightening than funny. The name of this piece is called The Mad Emperor of Ice Cream. (laughs) Okay, yes. You know, it's about... (laughs) Talker, shocker, shit. All right. Uh, He says, I think of clowns and the way they invariably cause at least some children to cry. Whenever I see pictures of the drag queen story hours, it's always the same thing. A few heavily made up drag queens posing as grotesque caricatures of women, looking basically like a gay misogynist's nightmare fantasy. You know, some librarians or other regime functionaries are silently taking attendance. A a bunch of downmarket loser parents trying desperately to opt out of their loathed cishet whiteness. You know what cishet means? Cisgender, which means heterosexual. And that's what the het means heterosexual so like you're you're a woman and you present as a woman you identify with the gender that you were quote assigned at birth right they've come up with this terminology and you just be okay you're you're loathed cishet whiteness and score some cool points which they hope to roll over into the coming social credit system and finally and most importantly a handful of children looking confused and bewildered so what's the point of this ritual other than to own the conservatives As an exercise in carnivalesque revelry, it falls miserably flat. It's it's forced fun, right? There's no connection between drag and literacy. The primary argument I have seen is that it teaches tolerance. But for what and for whom? Because drag is not an identity. It's a job or it's a hobby, but it's not an identity. And here's the thing. If drag story hour is such a great tool to win hearts and minds to the cause of gender diversity, how come it's restricted to the little kids? Right? Why aren't we seeing the drag story hour in prisons, in homeless shelters, 
in migrant settlement centers, right? The sort of kids whose parents drag them to drag story hour are probably getting their fill of tolerance lessons in story time. Why not save this precious resource for the underserved communities that really need it? It's been pointed out repeatedly that drag shows are basically a parody of burlesque and stripping. Or maybe it's an homage. But so why not bring in real strippers to read to the kids, right? We all know why it's drag queens and why it's children. They want to scramble the inner compass and inculcate disorientation, right? The confusion is the message. That's the point. The the logic, right, of, like, all right, remember the other day Joe Biden comes in and he's uh, uh, talking to um, a group of people and then he starts commenting about the Nashville school shooting, right? We played the audio, right? He shows up and he starts talking about, you know, my name is Joe Biden, I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. <laughs> Let me smell your hair. Now, where's my better half? Oh, where's he? Oh, you know, I got a lot of ice cream down here. I like ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard that there was chocolate chip ice cream. By the way, I got a whole fridge full upstairs. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. Remember that? It doesn't make any sense. Because if you, why would you come downstairs because you heard there was chocolate chip ice cream when you got a whole fridge upstairs of it, right? He must really love ice cream if he's willing to leave behind a fridge full of it in pursuit of more. Is it because he didn't want to dig into his own stash as long as there's free stuff downstairs? Seth Barron says this is poignant. Joe Biden leaves a dish of ice cream liquefying on the counter and a freezer door stands open while pints of ice cream melt to soup. And he compulsively heads down to where he imagines there's even better ice cream. It's like something out of an Aesop fable. (laughs) This is the... This is the confusion. It's everywhere. It's not amusing. This is why it's a very lengthy piece, but this is why he calls it the mad emperor of ice cream. There you go. Seth Barron at theamericanmind.org. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Jazz Shaw writing over at hotair.com the other day. A new study from a psychology professor at Northwestern University appears to confirm something that a lot of us had already suspected. Professor Michael Bailey reviewed survey data from more than 1,500 parents of children and young adults who had transitioned to the opposite gender. Okay, so 1,500 parents of kids who had transitioned. A large number of parents said that they felt pressured into supporting their child's transition. A majority said the child displayed, quote, worse mental health outcomes after going through gender uh, transgender treatments. Worse. A majority worse outcomes. This was uh, most often observed in patients described as those experiencing rapid onset gender dysphoria, which is a thing, 
where the condition seemingly comes out of nowhere, hence the name, rapid onset. This further supports the belief that uh, much of what is being observed is a form of social contagion spreading rapidly through youth peer groups. One surprising element of the study was the disparity in the gender divide as well. So male to female transgender cases like Jazz Jennings and various drag queen performers that get the lion's share of media attention, male to female, like this Bud Light uh, spokesperson influencer, uh, Dylan Mulvaney, right? Male to female. But the survey, they get a lot of the attention, but the survey finds that female to male transitions are far more common now. That's 75% of all the cases. Far more common. There are different groups that are uh, more susceptible to transgender uh, and gender dysphoria issues. Young females going into puberty are now the majority of the cases. And that was never historically the case. It was always more boys to girls. It was suggested that young girls tend to be more susceptible to suggestion and groupthink than boys. Also, more than 57% or or more than half, 57% of the parents said that their children had other pre-existing mental issues prior to transitioning. And those issues were not resolved after the process. 57% of the parents say that their kids had these existing pre-existing mental issues before trans, uh, transitioning. And that is not counting gender dysphoria. That's that's setting that aside. We're talking about different issues. And that once you go through the process, it doesn't relieve those issues. Youths with a history of mental health issues were especially likely to have taken steps to socially and medically transition. The finding is concerning. Because youth with mental health issues may be especially likely to lack judgment necessary to make these kinds of important and, in the case of medical transition, permanent decisions, right? The most vulnerable population, the most uh, susceptible to being misled and to not be thinking rationally and long term, right? People who have pre-existing mental issues are more susceptible and don't have them Addressed, don't have those issues addressed by the transition. This is seriously disturbing. Jazz Shaw says, quote, if you have a child that's already experiencing some form of mental health issues, like depression, anxiety, detachment from reality, or uh, they call it depersonalization, derealization disorder, shouldn't the responsible medical professional want to deal with those issues first before diving into some kind of gender-bending experiment? I mean... Yeah. Okay. So yes, we are asking the phrase "responsible medical professional" do some heavy lifting in the current environment. Yes, that is true. But this is why the UK has proceeded down a different path because they recognize there are problems here. Speaking of problems, Bud Light. Um, ooh, wow. Uh, <laughs> this is really amazing. I was aware of who this person was. This Dylan Mulvaney. Character. It's a TikTok person, influencer. Apparently, uh, he identifies as queer, and for and and didn't get a lot of traction. wasn't like in the in the showbiz industry, which is where he was trying to make a living. 
And uh, maybe you saw him. He was on The Price is Right one time, and he did some ridiculous dance over the top, uh, you know, super expressive and exaggerated celebratory dance when he won some, it was like a pool table or something. I don't remember what it was. Um, but uh, a year ago, he started a TikTok channel to document his becoming a girl. And his representation of what a female is, I find to be kind of disturbing, but also offensive. And Bud Light, along with Nike and several other major corporate entities, think that this is the person that's going to attract females to their brand. I don't know why. All right, I'll circle back to this. Up next, uh, we're going to talk to Eric Rowell about asset forfeiture and an update on Afro Man. Thank <laughs> you.